We all have big dreams, but far too often we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today is the founder of How To Dyslexia Academy. He is a leader in the space of education as a public school teacher, a parent, and as an expert in using ADHD and dyslexia to your advantage while minimizing the challenges. He's one of those people who have a really solid understanding of what learning needs to look like in modern classrooms and communities to make sure that our students and children are best prepared to live the life of their dreams. We talked about creativity, the current state of education, what it means to learn, his experience starting a business, and brainstormed the way that AI will continue to impact our lives in the near future. Please welcome to Interview 50, Nishanta. All right. I mean, I'm excited for this episode. It's uh, been a long time coming since we did a live. I mean, I feel like pre-pandemic, probably four years ago, a lot has changed in that time. Uh, so I'm sure we could talk for hours, but um, you know, we'll try and at least do episode two today and see how far we get. I appreciate you being on the show today. One thing I do on this particular show is allow people to do a self-introduction. I've gotten into that kind of cliche first question because I feel like when we create YouTube, podcasts, micro content, we're public speakers, we're teachers, we're all these different things that other people kind of define us. If I were to, let's say, bring you into a a high school business class that I was teaching and allow you to tell them who you are and what you do, what would your bio be in that case? Yeah. So right now, this is, uh, I feel like this is something that's uh, evolving and changing for me. Today, if you were to ask me what I was, I would probably say I'm a storyteller, perhaps. Um, But I'm also like my profession, the way I make my money is I'm a public school teacher. But I think things are changing to where being a public school teacher or a teacher in general, like teaching children will mean you have to have some kind of uh, passion involved in whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, since like AI and like all these new technologies are going to come come in and kind of take a little bit of the cognitive labor that teachers used to need to do. So when that happens, I think we can kind of begin bringing our own flavor to it. So right now I'm working on uh, a project where I'm trying to turn my classroom into a Dungeons and Dragons game. So uh, I'm trying to teach a lot of uh, SEL skills, like social emotional skills right now. So I'm kind of creating this uh, this story to where the kids can play different roles and they can practice in like a safe way, different like emotional skills. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of uh, what I am. I'm also a content creator as well. I like to make uh, YouTube videos of an artist. So um, like you're saying, it's it's a lot of things. You just get to, ch- you just get to choose the one that you want to do that day, you know? It's like, um, what do you call those? One of those... Um, you know, in the dining room, the thing that spins the Lacey Susan kind of deal. You, know, you spin the Susan and like you pick the thing that you want to do that day, I guess. My stepmom's name was Nancy and my dad used to call those a lazy Nancy. <laughs> 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 I thought it was pretty good. He did too, but I don't know if anyone else did. But uh, you laughed, so that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's exactly why I love that first question. It also, from a podcasting host perspective, I never really realized that what it also does is it changes and evolves as you put it, but it can also change from minute to minute. Like this morning, you might've answered that difference. So I just love hearing where it's at right now, like a topic like AI, like a topic like storytelling that's fresh on your mind. So one of the things that I would love to ask, because you touched on a tiny bit, is AI entering the classrooms, entering education. Some people might make a headline that says AI taking over. You know, are we all going to lose our jobs? There's all these crazy things out there. You know, what do you see? What's your stance on the idea of AI entering kind mainstream education, I guess. Yeah, it's so interesting, huh? Everyone's kind of, I think a lot of the people in my field are a little bit intimidated by, um, you know, these things are going to come take a job. I mean, it's every, every, like, you know, it's every field will be affected. But I just think it's going to allow, like, human beings, I think all human beings are teachers. Essentially, that's what we are. But this idea of a professional teacher is going to, it's going to change because right now we have math, science, you know, English, history, those kind of things. But maybe 10 years from now, it won't be those. It'll be like so fragmented and like so many 
other things that you can teach uh, because AI will be teaching those like basic subjects like, you know, math, science and English. And teachers like me will just get to pick the thing that we want to teach and then put our own spin on it. Like for me, it would be like emotional skills. And for others, for you, Justin, it could be like podcasting or like, you know, getting uh, getting your, uh, you know, how to get a message out there or something. <laughs> okay, the, honestly, I, 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 the thing that really sent it home for me was this thing by Khan Academy. Have you seen this AI that they, they have? No. Incredible. Incredible. So like, you know, in Khan Academy, you just go in and like you do math problems. But this thing pops up. It's like a little chat bot and you click on it and it like even ask it questions and, it's, and it like it reads the part where you're stuck at and it'll kind of ask you interesting questions to help you, you know, answer this thing. So now every kid has like this personalized tutor. I can't do that as a, as a math teacher. That, that'd be impossible. You know, I can't go to every kid's class to scale it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what this means. You know, I wonder, <laughs> can we still teach, you know, English essays and <laughs> arithmetic and stuff? Yeah, it's fascinating because you had said off the top, you mentioned the Dungeons and Dragons thing that you were doing as a way of educating. And that's one of the reasons why I always laugh when we get together and have conversations like this and create together is that I'm like, we're so similar in our approach to education, even though we're kind of in that sort of like traditional box a little bit by being in public education, but we're bringing our own creativity and way to teach from kind of the inside out, you know, and being intuitive and making decisions. Mm -hmm. And one time I had a group of students that I had already had the year before for English. And I was like, all right, so what are we going to do this next year. You're the exact same group of students. Yeah, we could write essays a second time. We could do all the different curriculum a second time. But what is that really like? It's, it was so bizarre. At the exact same class list two years in a row. So the second year we built a business and then every single piece of the English curriculum was fulfilled by creating commercials for the business, creating content and different things. And at the time, I still remember like it was yesterday. Uh, and this is probably 15 years ago, um, reading two books, Creating Innovators and Write brain rising the world's changing and what's going to be left is the creatives and i'm like i've been waiting 15 years for this to actually happen and it seems like maybe it's actually here you know yeah it's going to be interesting because um you know they're saying uh not everything can be taught but everything can be learned um and i think what what that means is um you know as educators you always try to teach kids like how to write essays how to do math all these different things but there doesn't need to be like a reason to learn those things so kids just don't care so when you create a business or you like create a story you you create a reason for them to learn then they, like it can happen much easier you know and i think this idea of playing is the future of like education is going to be like ai and making like some kind of some kind of game that's involved whether it's like making money or gaining like a following uh, creating a story there needs to be some kind of play like mechanics of play that needs to be involved in teaching and learning for for these uh for these kids to like actually want to learn something so yeah i think it's, it's gonna be interesting I'm, i don't know what people are going to be creating like people like me and you and other creators even like people that are going to be coming online in other parts of the world like imagine like you know your your kid she's gonna you know, have access to an ai in like a couple of years and she'll be able to do whatever she whether it's coding, art, music, building a business, making a podcast, all those things used to be a professional thing that you had to go to school and maybe you had to like, you know, do a lot of, you know, trial and error learning to like video edit and stuff like that. But now you can just go from like an idea to like something that exists in the real world. So the, the space of possibilities is like, I don't know, I'm just getting excited about it, but it also kind of feels like something you can't really control, you know? So it, it is kind of like anxiety plus really exciting at the same time. And so much of an unknown, I feel like, like we could just both kind of go silent right now and just reflect for the next 50 minutes in our own minds and just kind of brainstorm and think, but we still really won't know what it will fully look like. You know, like you can mention Khan Academy because we can see it. Yeah. Chat GPT, we've used it. Like you can, you can, these are getting tangible. So we know them, but the things we don't know, you know, especially to me, one of the things that's really interesting is the idea of like voice, right? So I've been, we, uh, in our home, we have Alexa, you know, you have the Google home and you have Siri and I don't know, whatever else there is, you know, people talking to their watches and different things. But I've been kind of testing Alexa to see if she gets smarter. You know, I'm not tracking data or nothing, but like, <laughs> you know, my, my wife would be like, you know, she's not going to really answer that. And I'm like, I know, but I'm pushing her a bit. Like I'm trying to see what and when, like, I'm just asking these questions more because I'm curious, you know, <laughs> I think those types of things, how they assist our lives. Um, yeah. Who knows what ways will exist? Do you think, um, Let's fast forward 13 years. Do you think kids will be going to college? Will your daughter be going to a place called a, a university? 
Yeah, that's another really interesting topic. And I almost always jot down a point form education, you know, or learning versus education and these kinds of things. That's one of the themes of this show. Uh, So it's a topic that comes up a lot. What I will say is a couple of things. One, I don't know. (laughs) Two, pre-pandemic, we were at a dinner with some friends and our 10-year-old was then five. And I remember saying, like everyone was talking about uh, the fact that geographically we had moved a bit from where our previous high schools were for us, right? We all moved slightly further out from that original school that we all went to. And we were just talking about like, oh, it's going to be a bit weird. Like I kind of pictured my kid going to the same school that I went to within this group of friends. And we were all saying, it's weird that we don't live there anymore. And I said, (laughs) I was like, guys, they may not be going to high school (laughs) by that point. Now, I think I was, again, a little bit off, but still, because, you know, she's 10, she'd be going like four years. I think that's still there. And then maybe traditional college route. But for the youngest, I really don't know, because I think naturally some things will start to fade and not necessarily in a bad way, but just because the different solutions will be there. So if she's more into dance and soccer and painting, then maybe she'll be spending three quarters of her day doing that and then going to a formal, more conventional building to learn uh, you know, some of those more um, traditional skills. I, traditional things. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't know. And then the, the third thing that I, I'd like to add is I don't care as far as the pathway for them when it comes to college or university. And I just mean that in the sense of like, if that's not something that interests them, then that's completely fine. And I, I feel like just one generation ago, maybe it was like it'd be a little bit of uh, nerves around the idea of your kid not being good enough at the traditional language and math to be able to go to university or college or whatever. And that doesn't enter my mind at all because the oldest at least you can tell has a lot of skills that are on the creative side of things. And I feel like would figure out if the reason we, we have a job is to make money, she'd figure it out. Even that is uh, kind of an interesting thing because, like you were saying, um, this idea of like creating things and making money with it and having a job and having like this path that you used to have to do. I think all of this stuff is changing. And we as adults, you know, I'm, I'm a professional teacher, so are you. So we like, we, we want to send kids to college and you know, send them on a path. But maybe that doesn't, you know, I'm starting to think that, it, you know, this idea of going from like, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, to 12 and then college. It's not really a thing. It's not going to be a thing anymore. I don't think smart people are going to be going to college anymore. I think it, I think like um, it's going to be like the standard path uh, that it won't be there anymore. So people are going to have to figure this thing out. Some alternatives, I think, would be like maybe going back to like the apprenticeship model of like the Renaissance period. Uh, maybe it's gonna, maybe it'll be like some sort of uh, you might be interested in a certain field and you might just go work there for like a couple of years and you have like you sign a contract with them and you start going to college. And you learn all the things that these people are doing to you know, do that job. Another alternative could be um, people don't work anymore. It, it might just be like we're, we just we just are um, this idea of like <laughs> like working. I think it, it was a uh, it was kind of like a invention, you know, like uh, creating a society that relied on like people doing certain things and division of labor and all that. And then maybe that doesn't need to be the case anymore when we have robots that do that kind of do all the thinking for us when we have um you know uh machines that can build things for us you know and you will i don't know it's it's kind of exciting but it's also kind of you know kind of like a weird weird thing because when you don't work anymore and you know what do you do yeah i can't remember who it was that i heard sharing about the idea of it might have been naval talking about have you seen that clip that I'm referencing about not needing to work anymore? No, but I love Naval. Yeah, so he he was is ba- he was basically saying that right now as it exists, if you wanted to put some smart people together to scale the ability to give everyone. And this is what I I really liked was it wasn't to give everyone like a basic income. We don't want to just give people cash. It's to give everyone their basic needs in terms of food, shelter, water, you know. And of course, there's many parts of the world who can't access water at all still. And, you know, you have charity water projects, things like that, trying to solve that. But just in much more westernized, you know, first world kind of like well-off countries being able to scale it where, to your point, like in the US and Canada, let's say, you wouldn't necessarily have to work. There's enough ability to scale the basic uh, needs that the people who would then work would be the people that want perks, like nicer cars or boats or pools or, and you list the things. And it's kind of like, it's, it's possible. This is kind of like the, like the Star Trek economy. Yeah. 
like uh, you know, they have those machines that like you know makes all the food, and uh, you basically work for merit. Like you know, you want to go explore the galaxy because uh, it kind of makes you who you are. You know, like uh, you, you might be a great mathematician because you know it, it helps you fulfill that human need to accomplish something. But if you don't want to work, you might not need to. Kind of deal. Yeah, that kind of idea, and I think uh, entrepreneurship is uh, is a natural connection that you see obviously a lot more and more of. Every time something comes up, it might be like crypto or NFTs or you know when direct to consumer. Shopify stores and things were first a thing. You know, you see the kid that launches Gymshark and all of a sudden he's, you know, launched this billion dollar company and stuff like that. My daughter thinks very much like that and always has. And, you know, I'll be supportive of it. You know, you go from the lemonade stand to the, you know, I figured out how to make this new fitness foam roller. Like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. But to your point about the idea of entre uh, uh, apprenticeships, I think one of those kind of solutions may be the idea of, you know what it's like for trades like plumbing and auto mechanic and uh, carpentry and electrical, where you're going for a couple of years, but you're mostly putting in the work and people are signing off on that and you're getting some mentorship along the way and you're getting the basic classrooms. That's where I see a lot of similar solutions, but it might be in something like scaling an Amazon store or something more entrepreneurial, building a software company or designing an AI robot, like whatever, Yeah, building a Pokemon YouTube channel. But the thing is, it's like more entrepreneurial. It's a little more passion based, but it still helps to have some guidance when you're starting out. Yeah, and I think a thing that's going to be helpful with that is like the, the, the model of a the school you know, there's like, I think I like to think of it as like three circles and they kind of all intersect, right? The first circle is the custodial and you want to send a kid, keep them safe at, in a location where, where you're going to work, right? So that's like safety. And then you have your curriculum, which is like math, science, you know, whatever. And then the, the, the last circle is social. We're trying to teach these humans to exist in a culture with other humans, you know, and solve problems and get along and all these different, you know, very human things. Um, now, the curriculum part, I think, is going to be AI. The safety part will be like, you know, societies and communities coming together to do this. But the social emotional part is the thing that I think is going to be the hardest to teach, hardest to learn, and the thing that's going to differentiate you from the rest of, you know, right now it's grades, you know, going to the certain college. But I think in the future, it'll be how, how well can you interface with machines and other human beings to get your ideas across? Uh, how well can you collaborate together? To solve problems because all the you know we're going from a scarcity world to abundant world but the things that are always going to be scarce is new and fresh ideas you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so so the people that can take ideas turn them into reality and work with other people i think they're going to have the, the best and the biggest advantages um and we're not really teaching that at schools right now because it's more important to you know get into you know get into that uh, next higher level math or like the next uh, english class the other fascinating connection is with the social emotional piece. And I know you do a lot of work in that world, but a lot of times, well, perfect example is the beginning of the pandemic. Everyone's saying, oh, we need to get our kids back in school because of the social stuff. And then you get that argued up against the people that say school is just for babysitting, which if you want to piss off a teacher who's been at the career for 20 years, just say that school is only for babysitting. But what I like to tell people is, well, hold on, like you have to realize that there is an element of that too, that school exists because mom and dad have to go to work. And also, you know, one of my favorite poets, Shane Koizan, wrote the poem to this day, which went super viral in schools. It was used for a lot of anti-bullying stuff. That guy hasn't stepped foot in a school in like 10 years because it's so triggering because of how much he was bullied and how difficult the school experience was for him. And I've met so many youth like that in two of the hospitals that I work in. I can't say that's why they're there. They're there for mental illness. Yeah. But there's so many connections to a mainstream school and the social battlefield that these kids face day in and day out, where it's like, for me, that's another interesting connection back to the idea of, will college exist? You know, if my daughters were really, really struggling, I don't think I would make the argument that you have to keep going because you need to improve your social skills. I would say, well, we need to crank up your acting classes or we need to do something, to your point, in a safer space where you're learning those social skills as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't mean to say that school is the only place to learn these things, but I think it's one of the fundamental skills that will become important in the future. Whether you're going to like acting class to get it, or you know, a, a hiking class, or like an art class, or like a math, like engineering class, there will be an element of working with other human beings that is going to be crucial for like anyone's success. Um, do you think that? communities will change because of all of this uh, as far as like you know everyone is able to do work remotely right like you might have to i still have to go to a building to teach <laughs> i'm laughing because that's a funny one like in especially the the particular part of education that i worked in like it was so flexible probably you know most people were envious of the job because of its creativity and flexibility and these kinds of things and then the pandemic flipped that where all of a sudden I'm the one that's making the commute and all of a sudden it's the complete opposite where all you know my friends are working from home or have more lax schedules so it's kind of flipped for me interestingly right but sorry that's not exactly what your question was well what I was thinking is I think more and more people will move into the idea of a community will change. I think more people will move in with their friends. Maybe they'll have more extended families. Less this, less of this like atomic mom, dad, two kids. That might not be the thing. People might start, uh, you know, having bigger homes, but share that space with, uh, you know, the brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles, and kind of go back to like a more human way of living instead of this like um, uh, atomic way of living. Especially if jobs are no longer, um, you know, in a building somewhere. It's uh, jobs that are more like an idea or like a like a mind like a mind space rather than a physical location i think that might be a, another interesting thing too i don't know how many more of them there'll be but someday <laughs> there'll be a lot more than there is now but like there's always these moments like right this second where i'm ahead of the curve a bit yeah in like it's just serendipitous i guess or whatever it's hilarious but one thing that it's like an inside joke amongst my friends and my wife likes to bring it up too, that when I was leaving college, I would say that we should get a mansion because it would be easier to afford that with all of our friends and wives and kids, 40 bedrooms, I don't care, two pools, one indoor, one outdoor, like whatever. And the uh, synthesis, like compounding effect of like being together and the leverage that that would create would allow us to have lives that were simpler and more cost effective than each of us going and living in our own uh, current atomic house. To your point. Yes. With yes. trying to raise a family. And then also we're always trying to get together on Fridays, but we can't because you need a babysitter. And, you're, and I'm like, so like, there's been about 10 times in the last 10 years where this has come up. And I'm like, see, I told you, I told you so. <laughs> well, this idea was first um, talked about by this guy, I forgot this guy's name, but um, he, he said that the Industrial Revolution was the first time where a father went out of the family and worked on a business that is not his farm, like not, not his farm, not his land, right? Because everyone used to have like this agricultural corporate families, you know, the, the, the kids will work there, you know, the uncle would be there. So you would have like this big piece of land and then that would generate the value for the family. It would feed the family and all the, the economic activity would run through that farm. So all the economic value would be accrued through into the family. Now the industrial revolution, what that did was the father had to go work for someone else, a different family. So now they're capturing some of that economic value and that value is getting pushed into, uh, you know, everyone's value is kind of getting pushed into one type of family. And it kind of destroyed this idea of like the communal corporate family. We have, now we have like atomic families. And then the car made it worse because now you can go like, you know, 100 miles and go work somewhere else. And um, the interesting thing about that is the rich can still have all the benefits of living communally because they can hire a nanny, get a housekeeper, you know, get a chef, get a, um, a, a, like a handyman, all the things that the communal family was able to provide for themselves. Now the rich can do, you know, they can hire that part out and get the benefits of having privacy. Whereas if you live in an atomic family, you can't afford to watch your kids and cook a good meal. You can't afford to go be with your friends and have like a 40 hour uh, job and commute and all those different things. So this idea that you had with your wife, maybe 10 years ago, I think it's the future. I think people are going to start buying big plots of land together. They're going to start doing this thing again, where, where like, especially if you can create a business with one or two, di two different people, like maybe your, your kids can maybe create a business together and then they can live in the same area. You know what I mean? So like this used to be a thing that people used to do because it was, it was not so capital intensive to have like a farm, whereas a, a factory was so, so expensive and like, not available for like normal people. Uh, but I think all this stuff is going to change with, you know, all the tools becoming democratized and dematerialized and turning into phones and ideas and, you know, be being on the internet, you know, you might be able to start like the next uh, 
you know, did, uh, uh, storytelling business or like podcasting business, you might be able to do certain things that you were, you know, was impossible in, in, during the industrial revolution. Yeah. Uh, well, Brendan Kane was on a, a recent episode of the show and we got talking about collaboration. And then he was talking about some of the social media kind of stars he's worked with over the years and how they all started living together, you know, yeah. pre-TikTok, but that idea of creator houses, right? That's like a, a perfect example. A little different because it's not like having each of your families and children and everything all under one roof, but the similar concept in terms of like values and those sorts of things that you can have in a shared space. Um, I, I do think it's somewhat the future and when it happens and I see some success stories, yeah, about, yeah. I'm going to be like, damn it. See, I knew it. I knew we should have done it. <laughs> yeah. We should have done that. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, whatever, that's okay. If you don't take action, that's kind of the most important part, right? Of any plan, the dreaming's easy. But what I will say too, the sad thing is that I feel like as individuals, in many ways, we're getting more sensitive. So when I picture people trying to do that, and not having their own privacy. Yeah, like extreme levels of privacy and space. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people would rather overpay and not have it be as efficient to just have their one space. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And that's kind of like a cultural thing. Uh, one of the people I'd love to have on the show is Toby Lutke, who started Shopify like, you know, a few miles down the road from here. He's talked about that a lot, going back to the idea of an economy that's very individualized and each everybody is a business owner again you know so you have someone who back in the day would you know uh make the horseshoes and someone who delivered things and and in today's day and age you maybe have someone who like you said runs the podcast agency but each person kind of has their thing and then that's how they make a living off of what they want to make a living could be making donuts or whatever Right. And I also think uh, uh, things will become extremely, extremely cheap. There'll be like, uh, you know, I think there'll be some things that are expensive, but the things that are um, what people need to survive, they'll become more and more affordable. So like maybe you needed $100,000, you know, for your business to, you know, to make a living. But in the future, you might be able to like, you know, with uh, with like additive manufacturing and like robot robotic farming and like 3d printing homes and like ride sharing with cars all these different things what might make it so that you might be able to have a really great life with ten thousand dollars now you know your podcast business that was only earning ten thousand dollars could be a great living for you as far as kids trying to decide what they want to do in the future these are all kind of things to kind of think about i don't think it's just no, no longer going to be like i want to have this job it's going to be like what kind of life do i want to live you know like do I want to go live in a little community with a lot of different people? Do I want to be like by myself? Do I want to? It's it's kind of interesting. I wish I was growing up right now so I could make these choices for myself. But uh, I'm, I also feel very, very secure in like where I'm at. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do you think it's harder for kids to, because uh, me and you were growing up, you know, we, we know we were going to get a job and that job was going to be safe. I knew I was going to uh, you know, get a college degree and have some kind of income. I knew that. But maybe for these kids that are growing up now, it might not be like a sure thing where. Yeah. Those guarantees might not exist as much, but it's, it's so, it's funny. A few moments ago, I said that we could just like not even talk and just sit silently and reflect because really we don't know the answers and we're just speculating. And I feel like with this one, it's very similar because the way teaching is specifically as a profession, at least here right now, is that if either of my daughters wanted to go and be a teacher, that'd be easy because a lot of people don't want to do it. Um, and the ability to, like my sister, for example, has a teaching degree and she doesn't use it right now. If she wanted to work 190 days this school year, she could have. She could have worked every single day. The The demand is really high and there aren't a lot of teachers. I don't know why specifically that is, but I can kind of guess some different reasons. And it's very similar to middle management here right now, as well as uh, child and youth workers and stuff like that. Like it's so hard for them even to staff positions because people don't want to work. And so I'm kind of missing the memo on really truthfully why that is. I mean, the pandemic probably started some of it. I think maybe as people start to figure out other solutions, even if it's driving something like Uber or tending bar on like Thursday, Friday night, and then, you know, doing other things like, uh, you know, some woodworking and selling some paintings, like just putting together these little packages of, you know, things that they find enjoyable to monetize. And then, yeah, it's good enough. You know, I know a lot of people who have left the profession to become occasional like supply teachers because 
they can choose on Thursday to just make a YouTube video if that's what they want to do or go to brunch with their dad and uncle. They don't have to go to work every single day, all day. That commitment piece is, is interesting. It's also like a very uh, high emotional labor job. Yeah. Right. It's like a very, like, it's not a high skill job, I don't think. I mean, it is, it technically is not high skill, but it's very. You're not offending me. Right. Right. I'm a teacher too. That's what I'm saying about this. It, you know, you're not, you're not like, you know, programming um, robots to do certain things. It's, it's just like anyone can teach, but to do it well for 180 days is like a very emotionally, it's labor. Like you have to like, you had to love this thing. You got to be a really emotionally stable person yourself because you're going to be interfacing with a lot of like unexpected situations. And it is kind of, uh, it is kind of hard to do well for like 180 days of the, out of the year. And then you get two months off, which is the best. Uh, and then you kind of like, you know, recoup and you come back, but I think it's a hard job and maybe it's the compensation isn't there yet. Teachers get paid well in California where I live, but I know in some places it's not it's not good. Yeah, they get paid very well here too. A lot of perks. It's a it's a great job here that way in kind of the conventional sense. I feel like it's uh, yeah, like I said, I kind of missing the memo on why it is because I don't know. But what I will say is. If I were afforded the opportunity to make the same money, have the same stability for my family and be running this podcast full time, that'd be an easy decision for me because I feel like I would be able to be far more intrinsically invested in it. But I also feel like it would scale to helping even more youth than my day to day job. But I have a very unique one where I only really interact with somewhere between 24 and you know 40 students. September to June, like total. Yeah. So for me specifically, it's different than teachers in general, but I feel like I've seen a lot on the inside. Kind of uh, John Taylor Gatto is someone who's worked at, you know, Weapons of Mass Instruction was a really interesting book. And listening to a lot of his talks, he's someone that I really wish I would have had the opportunity to interview and talk about these kinds of things because he was so far on the side of creative problem solving that when he saw a lot of that going away, he struggled with even being in the profession anymore. And I have had enough times where I've seen that firsthand where I'm like, I might as well be doing this outside of the boxes of this curriculum for this. I mean, just talking about grades, grades as an example, right? Like having to come up with a number on a kid is a crazy topic too. Um, it's so funny. We could probably do like, we could do a daily show, you and I, because <laughs> these topics, it's like, I think this is the first topic that I had in mind. <laughs> do you have like an idea for, um, you know, they gave you a black slate. They said, Hey, Justin, we'll give you some time. We'll give you two months create some curriculum, do whatever you think is the best. Do you have an idea of what you would want to do with that? With that we'll give you six, you know, uh, you can teach 180 days, whatever. Uh, you get 24 to 40, 48 kids or whatever. Teach whatever you want. What would you teach? You know, what's really cool is currently, I don't want to jinx it, but I think I'm in the position right now where I'm doing that for the fall. Okay. It's a really cool once in a lifetime opportunity. We're building uh, a new school. It's an addictions facility for youth with 30 beds. There's two classrooms curriculum based, you know, in one in each wing. And then in the middle, they're building a construction media tech space, maker space. Again, I don't want to jinx myself. I, I think I'll have the opportunity to be in that space. You know, we're talking about what to buy, what to build the curriculum around. So I'm literally doing that right now and, and thinking about it pretty well daily. That's super exciting, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really stoked. What's a big what's a big project that you'll be doing in there? Well, and that's what I was going to say is that I don't like, so I, I feel like there will be a lot of things around like tools and I, I, a hammer, sure. But I mean, like laser cutting and 3D printing and those kinds of things that we've used in some of our other kind of maker spaces, you know, that you picture the different kind of uh, centers or whatever for teens, you know, that, that you could use to do any different thing you're trying to build. But to me, I love using all of those tools. And let's say that a microphone and a camera and a laptop or an iMac uh, and 3D printer, like each of those things all exist. Table saw too, of course, you need some traditional things. But then to me, it's like going at the heart of, like you said a few minutes ago, what does this kid want? What does this person want in this moment? Because I know that it can change, but in this moment, what things would they like to be exploring in terms of their creativity? And so I've worked there and it's currently 12 uh, eight beds. It's a lot smaller, but it's going to be expanding. And so when I have worked there with one girl, we started um, a, a nail 
painting business, right? So she did everything that would go into building that business. But then we had a guest speaker come in and she was learning how to design nails. She came in weekly for like six weeks and she got really good at it. And then she was taking pictures of that for Instagram and stuff like that. And uh, I've done podcasting there where youth with addictions, they wouldn't let her uh, stream any of it during the time because they're not allowed online. But she saved the content so that if she wanted to launch her podcast on what it's like being a 16 year old struggling with severe addiction, she could just go upload, right? I don't know if she ever did, but we created all the episodes, you know, we, we made some some films. Wow. Yeah, yeah. the filmmaking was fun. So. so what I'm hearing is like, you're doing a lot of like individualized project-based work. Exactly. Yeah. That's dope, dude. That's so cool. That's like you're kind of like Adam Savage in a in a in a, in a classroom, <laughs> like uh, from Tested. Yeah. Get to play with a bunch of toys. Yeah. Make, make some fun things, and um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the plan. The the trickiest thing there that I'll speak to specifically too that gets in the way is, and this is this is an interesting topic. When I like I said, I'm in jails, hospitals, addictions facilities, uh, school for teen moms, like group homes, all this kind of you know teens who struggle basically is the umbrella, right, with mental health. The tricky thing is it's so hard to do what let's say like Gary V would advise people to do, right? create, document the journey, you know, uh, publish all this. When people are going through the toughest times in their lives, it's like we have to come up with like kind of ways of doing that where it's not intrusive because you never know if they'll regret having posted something later. You know, it's not like in a regular high school. Um, So that part's interesting. You know, we'll have to figure out how to make things more authentic, but it's fun. Yeah. I wonder if you can, um, I wonder if you can create a community there where, um, the, the audience is those kids, you know, so you can create for them and each kid could care for the, that way it's, it's not to everybody. I mean, I'm still, you don't want to, you don't want this thing to go out onto the internet. Like you were saying, they're in a vulnerable place. Yeah. So like, it's, it's so secure that we're often like pulling the SD card out of the camera, right? I always keep the SD card. They can use it during the day, but I keep it. And then sometimes if a student's leaving, especially at the jail, we'll like, maybe create a Google Drive folder and get the different things approved. Like if they made some music or they did something, put it in that Drive folder, share it with their personal email on, on the outs, and then at least they stay connected to it. So we're, we always find little ways to, to at least allow them to keep what they've done. But it's just, it's very interesting. You can't blow the doors wide open. Like, you know, you see a lot of uh, creators on TikTok, their class is like doing something, right? It's like, that's just never happening. You know, you see teachers come up with solutions. They put like these emojis all over their face. <laughs> But it's not that it's not the it's not that that's the challenge. It's in those moments when they're going through that. It's like you just want things to be more private, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. It's not the same feel, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't document. It. Yeah, and kind of you're when there's a camera, it's like not it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, so do you? So is this a school? Like, is this a part of like the gov like a government um thing, or is it is this like a private thing? Yeah, so it's interesting how it's kind of structured here. We're very unique because across the entire province of Ontario, arguably in the country that I know of, we're kind of the only uh, city that runs things this way. And they've actually kind of tried to break it up over the years, but they struggle with the logistics once they get into it. So it's kind of almost been grandfathered in. You know, it's been there 40 years now. But basically the way it is, is that the the um, main youth charities in the city, again, we have a, a very secure jail, uh, a more um, open custody one, school for teen moms, the hospital specific to eating disorders, uh, one for mental health, and then one for bedside, you know, kids are sick, cancer, what have you. And then another one that's very specific to psychiatric needs and then the addic- addictions facility. Wow. And in each of those places, there's the charity and they're just there running it. So then our educational group provides the learning to them while they're there. And so at the jail, there's three there's three classrooms in a shop. So we have four teachers there working. At this addictions facility that I'm referencing, there's two right now, but there'll be three teachers as of the fall at this school for teen moms. There's four classrooms, so we have four teachers there. So we actually are considered a school, but we all work all over the city in different physical spaces. Oh, okay. So you, you guys are just like providing the educational requirements for the kids that can't be in a physical school at that time correct yeah mm-hmm. oh that's awesome that's pretty cool yeah 
It's really neat. Yeah, man. I think you're already working in the uh, school of the future then that, uh, that we've talked about in the first part of this, this chat where it's not math, science, English, and, you know, history. It's like those social emotional skills and future skills, I guess, like, you know, using all these things to make businesses and entrepreneurship type of things. No, yeah, for sure. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Randy Posh, head fake learning. I don't know if you've seen Randy Posh's The Last Lecture. Mm-mm. You ever seen that? Mm-mm. All right. Well, so I'll link you to that afterwards because if there was ever a resource in my life for teachers that I share, I, I don't think there's any better than that. Um, you know, pretty sad. He, he was dying of cancer and he wanted to give one last lecture to his students and he just hit it out of the park. Like it's, you know, 55 an hour probably of him just going through the life lessons that he learned. But one of them that he talks about is that, you know, he was always able to reach students through head fake learning. He's like, if you're doing it right, they don't know that they're learning the learning goal, right? Which is so fascinating when you get into this kind of idea of accountability and being like, you need to tell the kids the learning goal up front. That's not necessarily the case. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of turns them off. Yeah. Justin, it sounds like, it sounds like, um, it sounds like you need to be doing something that like, it's in this space, but that has your name on it. That gives you like, you know, all the accountability, all the responsibility and all the benefits of, it sounds like you need to create a program, a business, something. It's, it's interesting because I have thought about that so many times and a lot of principals I've worked with in different things have said like, oh, I want to, like the, the term we all use is, oh, I'm going to go start a private school. Yes. But they don't just mean like a traditional private school. They mean because we can go create, like I, I would love to have kind of what we just talked about a couple minutes ago, like building a space where it's very come and go, but we're going to have, um, what's the school? I'm trying to think of the school that did it. Not IDEO. IDEO is a good example for a college, but there was a high school who did it too, where it was like very flexible. So at any given moment, you could have a lecture on a topic that the same group of students could go jump into and learn because those topics were student uh, voice created. Like, so, oh, I want to learn how to market on Instagram. Okay. So you have these topics and then you have bring in guest speakers and you have a lecture hall. So you could go to the lecture hall. You could go to the library and do work on your own. You could go be working in the computer station, or you could be the third one was like one-to-one coaching. So they had these three spaces always going on at the same time. And then you had 30 students and they were able to self-select whatever space they were in. They just had to be in one of those three spaces at any given time. And it was, it's a really cool kind of concept, like pilot project. Anytime I've heard of things like that, I've thought of people like you and I, and you know, there's many others being like, yeah, how cool would it be to create that space to bring it kind of full circle to what I mentioned about IDEO, I remember David Kelly in an interview saying that Steve Jobs told him, just make sure you don't have any stupid phony certificate. <laughs> like just make the actual goal because you're you're there attending. Right. Don't don't have it be because there's a carrot. And that's I think one of the main things that I would want to make sure stayed true to that space is right. you don't have to do this to get a 91 or a 72. I don't, I don't care. You know, we're learning, iterating, getting feedback and then trying again, you know? Yeah. The vibe has to be, you're here to learn, not to be taught. That's cool, man. Which is tricky. But speaking of that, actually, you, you had a program, right? And do you still have a program that you were running? Because that was separate to public education, right? That you had, uh, the reason I ask is because I watched the video, I had clicked on it a while back, but then I rewatched it this morning too, the Hogwarts for dyslexia, which was a pretty cool video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had, uh, I still do, but I just don't, I haven't, um, I actually closed the link down and uh, I did it twice. Uh, it, it was called the Hatu Dyslexia Academy, <laughs> which is kind of like I was teaching, um, I'm dyslexic. So I, I, I used to make content around dyslexia and ADHD and these different type of uh, like neurodiverse way of learning things. And I just found that the way that schools work and work works is built by, neurotyp- by neurotypical people for neurotypical and they use like neurotypical work like workflows. Mm-hmm. So um, I just like over over the years just learned a few things using different t- tech like different workflows to make things easier for me as a dyslexic. So I just started teaching that in this academy. I don't teach it anymore. It takes a lot of effort because I I want to do like a one like a kind of like a cohort model because I just don't think because of the nature of what I'm teaching it doesn't really work by just watching videos and going and doing it. I need to like be there and so it just takes a lot of time to do it and it just hasn't been financially worth my time it takes i used to do it the whole summer but i just look back i'm like man i missed two summers and i'm not gonna get those back you know then i probably want to make like at least you know 20 to like make it that's what that's what a summer threw up to me i haven't been able to hit those so well that's what i was curious a bit about because you you mentioned the idea of doing something with my name on it and i underestimated 
how challenging it could be to create a membership type space a few years ago when I tried, but also underestimated the conflict that I would have between art (laughs) and making money business and trying to figure out where I was on that continuum. And that's where I fell in love with podcasting and decided for a period of time until my gut really says I need to, I'm going to just go heavy on the creative art side. And I have to continue to avoid the shiny objects of like certain, you know, business creators who are like telling me to launch a course. On the flip of that, I think you can do it really ethically, really effectively, where it's bringing so much value that it just makes sense that the more conversions you have, the better society is, you know? But Justin, I think the problem that me and you both had with this, like, you know, these content creators telling people to make like online courses, that is their area of strength, right? They're good at, you know, views and likes and clicks and all that stuff. Our thing is like we're actual teachers. So it would make sense. Like the next project that I launch is going to be servicing a school. I'm going to like go charge a school for a program that I know is going to work rather than, and I'm, I'm going to go teach that program. That's kind of what, where, where my head's at. And I think that's where you should be thinking about too, because you're a teacher and you've been doing this for so long. And that's your like unfair advantage that, you know, none of these content creators might not be able to, you know, come into your space and do it as well as you, because you have all these things that you built up over the last 15 years as a teacher and the way you think, how you interface with kids, what you know about the school system, how you can look at a kid and know that they're, you know, going through some stuff and like talk to them in a way that is completely different than like the YouTuber is able to do. You know what I mean? So like, I think you're going to create a program for a school district and uh, you're going to sell it. (laughs) And let me, and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then it'll be, it'll blow up. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm predicting for you. I will eventually. The question becomes on what, right? And we don't need to go through too much business planning right now. We can run another episode. But like, I, I do see that d- down the road. A really close friend of mine here, Chris Naimi, who's kind of one of the faces of the main like mental health education um, kind of organizations here in Canada, <clears throat> had to step down from teaching because his OCD and uh, depression and anxiety were so difficult at the time that he couldn't do, like we were talking about earlier, it being such an emotionally intensive draining job that he couldn't do it full permanent. So he stepped down. He's still an occasional teacher. He can go work when he wants to, but other times he's an author and he's writing books. And then he has a couple programs, like one to help teachers help their kids be better at storytelling. And then one specific to kids where the school will book him to come, you know, run a workshop for four days or whatever on storytelling and these kinds of things. That's going to kind of where I see you doing this, Justin. I see you going to like schools that are who have, you know, drug issues, who have like delinquency issues, just issues that you're an expert in. And then you, you take your expertise and you go serve schools that are not like your school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the topic is where that's what where things get fun, right? Because on one hand, like it's hard because you can't, it has to be broad enough. And this is back to me underestimating the membership piece. I think if I were to start a membership on like how to get better at hitting your driver in the game of golf, I think it would blow up. I'd know how to run that. I'd know how to build like a big business. I'd know how to like have a quiz be in the email that you get every day with a driver tip. And like, I know how to build that. So I could help somebody else build that, but it doesn't interest me. What interests me is this broad lack of clarity, helping kids find clarity and start pursuing that clarity. And that's where I get a little, it gets a little bit tricky because it's like things like like podcasting, live streaming, going in as a guest speaker and just doing a Q&A for an hour instead of actually having a prepared speech is more valuable in that way, right? Because everybody's questions are so different and they're struggling with different things. And one wants to be a podcaster, one thinks they want to be a YouTuber, but once you start digging a little bit, they want to be a gamer. And it's like, you know, it's uh, when I reference the fact that I work with so few youth in a year, it's because I work one-on-one and I go around the city talking about Um, And on mind map, that's where we always start this exact thing, right? Like planning your career, given that you're not going to college or university, you you know, um, what do you want to (laughs) do? Yeah. Dreaming about your future kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing, dude. Yeah. We should do another one of these soon. The the last thing that uh, I want to kind of talk to you about was uh, this idea of uh, creating spaces like you're doing right now is very important for kids, like for, for kids like I teach the kids that you probably teach and they don't get an opportunity to like have an adult like you or me. I just listen to them and like hear about their, 
dreams and passions and things like our kids do you know sometimes they don't have that person that ear so i think it's what you, whatever you're you're doing just i just love seeing you do your thing man. <laughs> it makes me happy to see that you're doing so well to see that you're still on the same path as you were because it's so easy to just jump off you know to, to do you know like you're saying shiny object thing and it's, it's it's very cool man just wanted to say that and yeah i appreciate that how, how i appreciate you appreciate that i mean in, in the micro i have to say like there's been ebbs and flows for sure in terms of the shiny objects oh i should go create this youtube video or i should go create this uh, blog post when it's like no i should be really focused more on the podcast I, I think it's so important to talk about that stuff out loud because people who are trying we can be hard on ourselves, right? And people who are trying to succeed in these areas and struggling, I feel like need to know that those who look like they have it figured out or they are figuring it out, it's been a lot of ups and downs, you know? And I think what's crazy is since the last time we did a, a talk, um, I think since the last time, I've had two brothers die. Uh, one of my brothers died at 32 and one at 34. I don't think I've shared that with you on the, at all. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude, that sucks. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been tough. And so in each of those moments, one died the night of, so episode one of this podcast launched with Buster Shear, and then my brother Shane died that night in a car accident. And then I didn't upload, like, and go back and look. It's like, there's like two months, three months where I was like, why do, you know, it was like the opposite of like a helpful energy because it was like, I could create, I could not create, and it really doesn't matter. You know, like I just didn't care that that deep level of going through it, but not really in a negative way, just more like, uh, you know, we're often burning the candle at both ends, like grinding to try and like be successful and like passing up on sleep. And I'm like, what does it really matter? You know, so I just chilled a bit. Yeah. Well, and, and creating is such a, like a, 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 it's like an act of generosity. Sometimes you, you need your cup to be full in order to, you know, nourish others. And at that moment, you probably needed to fill your cup, you know, because it's such a traumatic thing too. That's fucking crazy, dude. Two brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was three of us. So it's uh, tough. You know, I saw my dad tonight, actually, he came to watch his granddaughter play soccer there. And it's, it's always nice to see the, uh, my parents, you know, after the, having had that happen, but like, it's gotta be so weird for them, you know? Yeah. And I was saying to my dad that I found an old video of Ryan and Shane just last night and I was watching it and, uh, you know, he was listening to me and he, he's like, I don't really remember when that was. And you know, I was like, well, neither did I, but I saw the video last night. So that's why I know about it. And like, it was kind of funny to see the two of them. And it was them boxing. They had boxing gloves on and they're boxing each other at like four and six years old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, the second time, actually, I would say too, that it had I guess both these things are neutral. Like you said, you need to fill your cup up. You need to chill for a bit. But I was going to say a more positive effect, but maybe that's not the right word. But it, but it was motivational in the sense that, again, it's like, okay, here we go again. You know, what does life really matter? But it's like, okay, well, if life doesn't really matter that much, or at least we, sh you know, we don't know if we're guaranteed tomorrow, then I might as well spend it doing what I love doing, right? So it kind of had this, the opposite effect the second time around. And since then, yeah, the podcast has been going really well and, you know, inbound, like I, hundreds of people probably that want to come on the show, which is super cool. Yeah, man. I love it. Thanks for having me, dude. This is great. I'm actually thinking about doing a podcast myself. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably not gonna do it. You kind of did it before, though, right? Kind of, yeah. But it, it was <laughs> it was called. Uh, I would just read books and talk talk to my friends about those books. But uh, I'm cutting you off quickly because yep. didn't you have one called like how to learn from people or something or learning from people on the internet or something like that? Oh yes, yeah, I did that one too. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this is similar. I'm calling it uh, AI workflow. I think like a lot of the, a lot of the, so it would be like a video podcast where I bring, bring people on, secretaries, dental workers, teachers, artists, whoever that use AI and then kind of like have them go through their workflow using AI. Okay. And then like the idea is like other people who are in those industries to kind of see how these people leverage this is like brand new technology and kind of get an idea of what, you know, what it, what, what it's kind of looks like before and now after. You got me, my creative juices flowing now. Do you have a, a newsletter? No. Should I? Should I have one? No. I'm really interested and bullish on the idea of, but I, again, the shiny object, right? So, but if somebody were starting a project or looking for a new one to do, the reason why I'm jealous of people who really have succeeded with that, like Morning Brew or some of these like massive ones that have sold for millions of millions of millions, it's like, it's so much less work and simple yeah. than starting like an hour long interview show. But the hybrid that I've thought about to your point is doing those interviews, but keeping it to like, 
whatever, something shorter. And then having it be so niche and specific that you can just take that and put it into an email newsletter, even if it's in print, like they just take the transcript and email it out. So then you'll at the same time, you have like a double whammy of exactly. maybe everyone reads the newsletter. Maybe some people listen to the podcast, but it can be so specific, you know? Also, like, I think you, you might be able to use AIs too to help you with these like newsletter type of deals. Mm-hmm. Have you messed around with any, any of this AI kind of stuff? I mean, I def I pay the the money for ChatGPT to use the top level right now, so I use it. Okay. I don't have a lot of stories. I think in a year from now, I'll have a lot more like to be able to share about my experience. But one thing I am going to do because uh, Terrence McMahon was on an episode of the podcast, and he's big into AI right now. He's one of those dudes that kind of gets it in terms of like, okay, the money and the conversations here, so I'm going there. And so he's big into AI right now, and he was talking about the concept of like creating a book on there, right? Like just like writing your first book through using chat GPT. So I told him, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it and I'm going to document it. Yes. I just did it. Was it your your journal? I wrote this in like two weeks. <laughs> oh, an actual book. Oh, okay. That's a different topic. I took that book and then I'm using uh, like Dolly and Mid Journey and things like that to illustrate this <laughs> this book. That looks so good. Yeah, it looks like a real Dungeons and Dragons book, right? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like forty percent of the way there. The next time though, we'll we'll jump into AI. I know that the last time we talked, there was other topics that we could get into, so we'll we'll share all we'll keep all that for next time. It'll be fun. But in terms of the rapid fire, so what's one thing you're learning right now, and maybe is it AI then? Right now, I'm trying to build a business that sells something to a school district. I've never done that before. And uh, I'm trying to figure out um, like the, the sales process to do that. Yeah. And it's the, the project that I kind of showed you is that project. Super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I look forward to hearing more about that for sure. And in supporting in any way that I can. Um, the second one is uh, if you, and this is fun because you do have kids, if you were to leave one piece of advice for the next generation, what would it be? Learn to love people. And that starts with yourself. Home. It's a mic drop moment for you and uh, flipping the microphone and just giving you an opportunity to ask me a question quickly. Like if whether on these topics or something else, something you were to ask me, what would it be? Yeah. What was your brother's names? Ryan and Shane. Ryan was the older brother and then Shane was the younger brother. So, so I'm the oldest and then Ryan's in the middle and Shane was the youngest. Yeah. Okay. What's the one thing that he left, Ryan left for you as far as a lesson or something you take? that you're going to take away from knowing this person? Well, it's interesting because it's kind of probably answers it for both of them too, to be honest. But before they both passed, they were really struggling with a lot of things we've talked about for this last hour in terms of kind of like things that they really wish they had pursued. And so in Ryan's case was filmmaking. And in Shane's case, like I don't think you've ever met a kid who's better at Madden than him in terms of gaming and playing football video games, but neither of them They always struggled with that battle between like, but I have to go do this job and not figuring out how to do, you know, what a lot of people might call a side hustle or a main hustle or whatever. And so one of the things that we had often talked about was something like space station gaming, like collaboratively, like, but this is sad because like any lesson and hopefully people listening can not push their goals off. But like we had talked about that a lot of times, you know, at family dinners or different things. Don't worry, we'll, we'll do it together, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll do that together and it'll be easier to succeed. And we never were able to do that. So much of this for me is about really being able to pay tribute to them a little bit too. You know, it's nice to reflect on every little victory I have and celebrate. I feel like they're kind of celebrating with me, but Ryan specifically, it's definitely that he went through some really tough times at different moments in his life, whether it was from being abused when he was younger to a lot of health issues in his 20s. And uh, he just always was still able to laugh, you know? Yeah. It's laughing at life. The good skill. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Justin, this was great, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you, dude. Uh, same. Yeah. Right back at you. Uh, let's do another one. Yeah, maybe you come on my uh, uh, new AI uh, workflow uh, podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll write my book and then I'll come on. Yeah, d- dude, do it. Uh, what's your book going to be on? I don't know yet. That's why I got to start chatting with them. I, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and screen, screen grab that whole thing. I mean, this is going to be a YouTube video. So I'll document it front to back about like, yes. and I'll show the clip of Terrence telling me to do it and me making the promise to him. Okay. Maybe I'll show this clip too. I'll show the clips about how I got there. And now I'm like, now I'm actually doing it. Yes. And uh, let's see what we come up with. You know, like that's the type of content I like to make. I don't know. Like there's no script, right? Yes. You have AI, it's my friend. 
It doesn't have to be a big book. It just had to be like an outline or something. I need, I need, a, I need at least a chapter. Now I have a follow-up question then. <laughs> when you think of a book and you picture this, what does your gut go with in terms of like fiction or nonfiction? I think nonfiction is easier because um, it's easier to uh, prompt it with nonfiction stuff. Uh, I think fiction is like a, uh, like a, like a higher level thing. You got to get pretty good with AI to do that. Or you got to be a good writer. You got to be a good storyteller. Okay, so I agree with all the above. And what's crazy is an hour ago, we talked about storytelling, which was one of the big topics I wanted to get into. So we'll definitely have to run this back. Yeah. But that didn't answer the question. You just told me which one was easier. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm leaving it up to you. I think for me, the, this- All right, nonfiction. Yeah, I, I think nonfiction. And uh, you should teach something to somebody. That's the easiest thing to do with AI, I think. Well, this is going to be good. This will be a fun little project. I look forward to it. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll definitely run it back in the future. Right. If someone were to go support your work right now, though, where do they go? Nowhere. <laughs> Find me on Justin's channel. And then uh, I'll, uh, I'll probably be back on here. And maybe I'll have something worth sharing with people. I have nothing to share at this moment. <laughs> well, your YouTube channel is pretty good, though. Oh, okay, yeah. I good. know it goes into the archives, but all right. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Thanks, Justin. Have a great night and uh, yeah, you too. we'll be in touch. Yes, definitely. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. JKL listeners, thank you so much for being here. I believe greatly in having the courage to really speak our goals out into the universe, not just believe them, but be willing to say them. And so one of my goals that I love to share is that I really want to help millions of people achieve their own dreams with this show. So please do pass it along if you think someone just might benefit from it at all. Thank you to our guest, Nishanta. He is an incredible lifelong learner. And if our schools reflect the way that he teaches and his philosophy for learning and education, then all of our students will be really well off. As always, we love getting your DMs or comments about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics, things that you'd like to hear about, questions you'd love to have answered, please don't be shy. Just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true, but there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.